Welcome to Rosalind Franklin University College of Pharmacy Top 200 Drugs Podcast. This podcast is produced by the pharmacy faculty members to supplement study material for students learning the top 200 drugs. We're hoping that our real-life clinical pearls and discussions from practicing pharmacists will help you study for your next drug quiz. No participants have any conflicts of interest to disclose. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to treat a particular patient. This information should not be used in lieu of the judgment of a healthcare provider. This podcast is copyright Rosalind Franklin University of Medicine and Science. And now, on to the show. Welcome to episode one of the Rosalind Franklin University Top 200 Drugs podcast. I'm your co-host, Dr. Kane. I'm Dr. Weatherton. And I'm Dr. Patel. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get started with week six of our Top 200 Drugs podcast. And we'll go ahead and get started with metronidazole or flagyl. Dr. Patel, is it okay for patients to drink alcohol on flagyl? Oh, no, I don't think that's a good idea at all. If your patient drinks while taking metronidazole, then they're going to have a reaction called disulfiram-like reaction, where a patient's going to just throw up violently. That sounds horrible. I've even heard that little small amounts of mouthwash that has alcohol in it could even cause this reaction with flagyl. No kidding. So really, total avoidance of alcohol is necessary and a great counseling point with metronidazole or flagyl. When do we use flagyl? We use flagyl because it covers anaerobes and protozoal infections. Okay, amoebas, protozoal. Whenever I think of metronidazole, I think of diaphragm, uh, diaphragm down. So all the abdominal infection as well as STDs are also covered by metronidazole. As far as adverse effects go, for the most part, it's going to be the typical antibiotic adverse effect profile, nausea, vomiting, upset stomach, things like that. But it has actually some unique adverse effects. What comes to mind when you think of unique adverse effects with flagyl? Metallic taste in the mouth? Definitely. That's the one I think of is metallic taste. They may need to get some Listerine for that bad taste in their mouth, right? Oh, no. No no. Listerine with flagyl. We want to avoid that disulfiram adverse reaction. Yeah, and I'm thinking of like peripheral neuropathy kind of symptoms as well. Yeah, especially with long-term use, peripheral neuropathy. It is also one of the first-line medication for um, treating mild to moderate C. diff infection. And what is C. diff? C. diff is an organism that causes watery diarrhea. And speaking of things that go wrong in the gut, when people have parasitic infections, often those parasites have flagella, which sounds a lot like metronidazole's brand name, which is flagell. Moving on to our next antibiotic that can actually cause C. diff, clindamycin or cleosin. Um, typically, this is you know for anaerobic uh, infections in the mouth. We see it for gram-positive infections on the skin. Or even aerobic gram-positive coverage where patients are not tolerating or cannot take penicillin. When I think of cleosin, I think of cleoskin. Clindamycin has a topical form that can be used for acne. And again, it's very effective at treating various different types of skin infections. So kind of continuing on with our uh, antibiotics for the skin, doxycycline, it has a number of different brand names. The one that we're going to go with today is vibramycin. Unlike the previous two antibiotics that are kind of on their own with respect to their drug class, this one is actually part of a broader class of drugs, which is the tetracyclines, including other antibiotics such as tetracycline and minocycline. When do you guys see doxycycline commonly used? Doxycycline has a broad um, spectrum of coverage. Mostly we have seen it used for patients who have had um, acne infections, as well as pneumonia, Lyme disease, rickettsial infections, um, and plague. 
Dun, dun, dun. Did you say plague? Oh, yes, I did. So are there any patients that really shouldn't receive doxycycline? Doxycycline or vibromycin is not a good choice for children under 8. And the reason for that is that uh, doxycycline likes to bind with calcium. And in children that age, they're still forming their teeth. So they could have teeth and bone issues if they're given doxycycline at a young age. But it's also a good counseling point, even for adults, that they should separate doxycycline from any calcium or iron that they're taking so that they don't bind together in the gut and affect absorption. Dr. Kane, what's the dose of doxycycline or vibromycin if a patient has the plague? Oh, I think it's 100 milligrams BID. But what's the dose if the patient has renal impairment? I'm pretty sure it's 100 milligrams BID. What's the dose of doxycycline if the patient has Lyme disease? I'd have to look it up, but I believe it's 100 milligrams BID. I think you're right on all those counts. So as a final counseling point, what are some adverse effects that people can see with doxycycline? I would say photosensitivity is one of them. So you definitely want to advise your patients to use enough sunblock, sun protection, or avoid sun exposure altogether. Um, and it, another minor side effect, uh, I would say rather, is uh, esophageal uh, irritation. It can cause ulceration too, so make sure to... So ask them to drink a full glass of water. Probably not right before bed, right? Yeah. Because after all, they are dosing it. BID, 100 milligrams. All right, speaking of BID, the next medication, also an antibiotic, is nitrofurantoin. It has two different brand names, Macrodantin and Macrobid. And the reason that I said speaking of BID... The brand name Macrobid, Macrobid being BID, that's how you take the, the antibiotic, BID. One of the things you'll also notice about the brand names for nitrofurantoin is that they contain the word macro. The reason for that is the, uh, the crystals inside of the capsule are big, so they become absorbed slower. Before these were macro crystals, the, the medicine was absorbed faster and it wasn't tolerated as well. So they had to formulate it differently to get people to take it. So how often do you have to dose macrodantin? So macrodantin, if you can think, it's a longer word. Um, so it's a QID dosing, more frequent dosing. So I'm no you know, paid representative macrobid, but I don't see any reason to use macrodantin. I agree. Okay. All right, so when are we using this medication? Its claim to fame is the UTI. Are there any patient population where you don't want to use this medication? So it's good to stay away from nitrofurantoin or macrobid in elderly patients, and you definitely want to stay away from it in patients with really poor renal function. When their creatinine clearance is less than 60, this drug is a no-go. Oh, one of the side effects of um, nitrofurantoin is hemolytic anemia, and that's again related to the enzyme G6PD deficiency. Um, another side effect is pneumonitis. And you can also see peripheral neuropathy. Our next antibiotic is sulfamethoxazole trimethoprim. It's got two brand names, Bactrim uh, and Septra, Bactrim being the more common brand name. Uh, we see this a lot uh, with urinary tract infections, with skin and soft tissue infections, especially with MRSA in the skin. And we also use uh, for PCP, which is the um, it's a type of pneumonia that HIV patients are uh, at high risk of getting. So both the treatment and um, the prophylaxis. So Dr. Weatherton, what are some adverse effects that one might expect when taking Bactrim or Septra, which is sulfamethoxazole trimethoprim? One thing that's very important to tell your patients is they can have photosensitivity with Bactrim. They need to wear sunscreen and be sure that they're covering up and staying out of the sun as much as possible. If you say sulfamethoxazole, if your patient has sulfa allergy, 
then definitely want to be um, you know avoiding this medication. Some patients um, are not aware that they have sulfur allergy and they would develop rash. So that rash could be a normal all over um, presentation or it could be a serious reaction such as Steven Johnson syndrome too. Speaking of the uh, the rash, interestingly enough, when we use Bactrim in patients who have AIDS, where we're using it to prevent that PCP or PJP pneumonia, they actually have a much higher incidence of rash compared to non-AIDS patients, which you would think would be the opposite because they have an impaired immune system. Dr. Kane, what kind of patients shouldn't take Bactrim? So you kind of want to avoid Bactrim in uh, neonates, and the reason is that they have higher bilirubin levels, and if you have Bactrim, it can compete with the same binding sites, and if it kicks off bilirubin from the proteins in the blood, you get what's called kernicterus, which is essentially too much bilirubin in the blood. This medication also interacts with warfarin, um, and it's a, it's a heavy interaction. So if your patient's on warfarin, you might want to think about another option. So kind of switching gears a little bit, going from some oral stuff now to some topical items, we have uh, mupiracin or Bactroban. Uh, do you guys ever see this used in the community? Oh yeah, all the time. I remember filling those 22 grams of you know, mupiracin generic nasal tubes all the time. And interestingly, it's available as a, an ointment, which is for nasal use, and then a topical cream. Did you say nasal use? Yeah. The, it's weird. But sounds weird, but it is definitely used for nasal MRSA colonization. All right. Moving on. We have two over-the-counter products uh, as part of our top 200 drugs. The first is zinc oxide, the brand name Desitin, um, typically used for diaper rash, dermatitis. Zinc oxide works by sort of drying out and shrinking portions of the skin. It's called an astringent. And it's also neat in that zinc oxide or desitin has a very simple chemical name to remember. It's just Z-N-O. And desitin per se is not used as a sunblock, but if you add titanium dioxide in it, um, you can definitely use this product as a sunblock as well. So if you think of soccer players or if you're a cricket fans out there, you see that white patch on their face or uh, nose. It's to protect their little noses um, from getting burned. Zinc and titanium. I'm thinking of Iron Man. The last item we have is polyethylene glycol 400. Uh, the brand name here is Cystane for Cystane Eye Drop. Um, many people call these artificial tears. Um, or just lubricant eye drops, obviously used for dry eyes. When you're looking at over-the-counter eye drops, one of the biggest distinctions that you can make are the preservative-free ones, which tend to come in single-use vials, versus the agents with preservatives, which are the bigger 3 or 5 ml bottles that you see. The preservative-free agents may be less irritating, but you also have to counsel patients that once they open that bottle, they need to use it and throw it out immediately, or it can harbor bacterial growth. Yeah, with that same note, then, um, you shouldn't touch the tip directly to the eye or with your hands. Um, if your solution or the medication looks any cloudy or discolored, make sure you discard it. And if you are wearing contact lens, then make sure you remove the contact lens before you use the medication. So the first drug we talked about was metronidazole or Flagyl. The next one that we talked about was clindamycin or cleosin. The third one on the list is doxycycline, hyclite, webromycin. As we mentioned, it has many different brand names. 
The next one was Nitroferentoin, two different brand names, Macrodantin and Macrobid. The next agent that we talked about was sulfamethoxazole combined with trimethoprim in a brand name product called Bactrim. The next one on the list is Mupirocin. The brand name is Bactroban. So we had two over-the-counter agents. The first was zinc oxide, brand name Desitin. And the next was polyethylene glycol 400, also known as cysteine eye drops. So that concludes uh, week six of our first podcast for the Top 200 Drugs presented by Rosalind Franklin University. Dr. Weatherton, Dr. Patel, always a pleasure. Um, and I'll look forward to next week. It was Thanks, a Dr. Kane. To Dr. Kane. Study hard. This has been an educational production by the Rosalind Franklin University College of Pharmacy. The theme music for this podcast is an excerpt of Metro Mix by Cecil, released under Creative Commons.